I invite you to turn me to our opening text this morning to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 is our opening text. This morning, we are continuing with our series entitled, Loving You as God Loves You. It's that red paper here, pink paper, red paper. Relationships, not your way, not my way, but whose way? And God's way is the only way that actually works. So it's a whole series. You look in the, in the beginning and say, start Saturday. That, there's two sides. Look at the one that says, start Saturday, January 5th, 2008. Um, we're looking at the different topics. We started off, remember, the series with filling the emotional void, sexual integrity for women, remember? And then we went to sexual integrity for men. Then we moved on to the next one, to playing the love game, which was not good. And then we went on to the next sermon, which was passion and purity. And then today's one is finding your soulmate, how to find the mate that was made for you. And then on the back here, it continues on, and it goes on, um, April 12th, what do I look for? Now that I maybe I'm looking and I'm serious about relationships, what do I look for? What characteristics? And then the next one is um, marrying the wrong person. And then wherever you go, I will go. And then why relationships go bad? There's another sermon topic. Then we move on. Our love is here to stay, standing by your love. And then the player is out there. The player gets played from the Word of God. And then the last one, cheated and deceived. If you've ever been cheated on, learning to trust again, which is a very big thing in relationships. So we're going to look, starting from the beginning, those, the foundation of sexual integrity, moving up to find the right person for you, and then how to maintain it, and then how to um, have a good relationship, learning how to trust again. Many people over the years have asked the questions. Is there a perfect match for my soul? And if there is, how do I find that special one? And once we have found each other, what do we do next? What is the next step and what, how do we proceed in a relationship? And these questions are very good questions that we will seek to find answers for from the Word of God here this morning. You see, today, many Christians today are disillusioned by the way romantic relationships are turning out. There is a strong sense that people today are desperately wanting something better. But in order to attain something better, we must be willing to change. Amen? Willing to change our attitudes toward dating that's based upon the Word of God. Willing to change our views on how we pursue an intimate relationship based upon the Scriptures. Because we all know how to have a relationship. Or we think we know. But we need to get away. See, the hardest thing about changing or learning something is actually unlearning what you first think you know before you can actually learn something new. Think about it. Moses was 40 years in Egypt. And God felt that he had learned too much of false education, that he had to take him 40 years in the wilderness of Midian to have him unlearn first 
before he, God could actually use him and teach him. And so as Christians, we've been raised to think a certain way, or you know, I've seen a lot out there, even Christians or even in the world, thinking that we know how things should be done and how to have relationships, but God has a better way from the Word of God. So that's what we'll be studying this morning. My hope this morning is that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand God's ideal for us and also the way that He leads in our love lives. And may we all be open to the leading of His Holy Spirit this morning. Let us pray. Father, as Your Word is opened, we do humbly bow before You and ask You to teach us to cleanse our minds of all wrong thinking and thoughts that we may follow Your Word. We thank You, Lord, already answering our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. To be single or not to be single, that is the question this morning. Let's look at being single and being married. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. What did God say that it was not good for? The Bible says in verse 18, chapter 2, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be what? Alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him or a companion for him. I will make a companion for man. God felt so strongly about it that he decided to do something about it and he gave Adam a companion and her name was what? Eve. And today God knows that being alone in relationship by yourself can at times become lonely. So that's why the Bible says and says to you and me if you're single, God says it's not Good to be alone. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. When God created man in his own image, what did he create? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. When God created man, what did he create? The Bible says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. So God created man in what? Whose image? God's image. Okay, so we're made in the image of God. How did he create man to be like the image of God? Notice what the Bible says, it continues. God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. In other words, Adam and Eve together make up the image of God. Not man by himself, not woman by himself, not man and man, not woman and woman, but the Bible says, but man and woman together make up the likeness of God. Man and woman together is a complete whole. In other words, God has both, think about this, God has both masculine and feminine characteristics. The full complete picture of the image of God is masculine and feminine. Together a man and woman reveal the whole picture of who God really is. That is why marriage today, if it is a good, strong marriage, can become a powerful image for the gospel of God. For through a marriage relationship, that God's character is able to be fully revealed. So it is good, that's why the Bible says, it is good to be married. It is good to be married. Amen, women and those men who are married, it is good to be married. Amen? Amen. Amen. But... There's that but. There's a balance, right? In everything in this world, there is a balance. 
And so, let's take a look at the other side of being single. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. The Bible says, it is good to be married. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. Let's look at what the Word of God says. And again, don't believe a word I have to say, but believe what the Bible has to say this morning. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. What did Paul recommend to those who were single or who were widows who were single at that time? The Bible says in verse 6, But I speak this by permission and not a commandment. For I would that all men were even as I myself. Now Paul, do you know if Paul was married or single? Does anyone know? Paul was single. And so he says, I wish that everyone was single as myself. But every man has his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. In other words, not everyone has been given a gift that I have been given, which is the gift to be single. So Paul said, everyone has their own gift. In verse 8, I say therefore to the unmarried or the single people and widows, those who were once married and lost their husband or wife and are now single, it is good, it is what? For them, if they abide, even as what? It's, it is good that they stay single, just like I am. Verse 9, But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion and lust. So, Paul was single, and he said that it was good if those who were single were to remain single as he was single. But Paul said that everyone has their own spiritual gifts given to them by God. And being single was a spiritual gift that must be given to you by God in order for you to stay single. Because the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to everyone, every person, we know that not everyone has been given a spiritual gift of being single. Has everyone been given a gift to be an evangelist? Has everyone been given a gift to be a pastor? Has everyone been given a gift of prophecy? No. So not everyone has been given a gift to be single. Therefore, being single is not for everyone, but only for those who have been given this special gift. That is why the Bible says that if you haven't been given this gift of being single and you cannot control your passions, it is better for you to get married. So why did Paul say it was good to be single? Why? Turn to 32 to 34. This is what the Bible has to say. Chapter 7, verse 32 to 34. He gives a reason why, not to say that it's is good, but why. The Bible says in 32, But it would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried or single cares for the things that belong to the, world, uh, to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife. There's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman, the single woman, cares for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Paul said that it was good to be unmarried because those who are single focus and give their whole life if they love God and want to serve God, are able to focus if they're willing, 
to focus and give the complete devotion to God and how they may please God, both in body and in spirit, and serve Him and not be hindered any which way. But those who are married have to be careful what they do and how much they give and where they're going. They can't just pick up and go and be a missionary in Africa. They must consider how it is to be with their family. Therefore, if you're truly devoted to God and you have been given the gift of being single, you can do far more for the Lord than a person who is truly devoted to God but is married. But if I don't have the gift to be single and I want to be married, is it a sin to be married? Turn to chapter 7, verse 28. This is what the Bible says. If you want to be married, is it a sin to be married? The Bible says, But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, she shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. It is not a sin to be married, but those who do marry will have trouble in the flesh. Trouble in the flesh points to the earthly life with its many cares about food, clothing, and protection of all family possessions. Also in times of persecution, as it will be in the last day, the cares of husband, wife, and children will produce certain perplexities in a situation where persecution brings imprisonment, torture, and death. And you're worried about your family, and families are divided and sometimes driven into exile and persecution. Under such circumstances, it would be better to remain single. So think about it. The Bible says it is good to be married in Genesis. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it is good to be single. So my question is, which is better? (laughs) According to the Word of God. They're both good, actually. But let's, let's see what in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 38. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 38. So then, a he that gives her marriage, or he does, who does, gets married, does well. But he that gives her not a marriage, or he doesn't get married, does what? Better. The person who marries does well and is able to serve the Lord well, but the person who is single does better because he or she is able to serve the Lord more fully and completely. Now there's benefits on both sides. But weighing the benefits, according to Paul, was if he had to choose, one would be better. Therefore, and I'm sharing this for one reason, because we're studying about relationships. This is for you single people out there, young people especially. This is for you. If God has given you the gift of being single, or if you're widowed, then just accept accept it. Receive it from God. Again, I'm not advocating that if you work for the Lord, you must be a monk or a nun. (laughs) We don't advocate that. It's not mandatory by God. God gives you the freedom to choose. It's not a requirement to be that way, single, if you want to work for God. You can choose. But if the Lord has given you a gift to be single and it's a gift, and you're able to control your lust, like Paul said, then accept the gift from God and remain unmarried in order to serve the Lord completely and fully in a powerful way for God. Single people, I know that the world out there puts great pressure upon you to be with someone all the time. But if God has given you this gift of being single, then just ignore the world, ignore your friends, ignore your family, and be content with the situation that you're currently in at this time. 
For if you truly love the Lord and really want to serve in full, then you can do a much better work for God if you remain single. I remember when I was minister and I was single before, and it's good now being married, but I remember being able to just pick up and go and go down to the church and sleep at the, in the church on the tables and the cafeteria with the, the workers, the Bible workers, and not have to call anyone and go back home the next morning and just be able to go out and everywhere and being used by God. I mean, God uses a, as a whole, as a married couple, to reveal the full character of God, but being used in a different way for God's work. In the same way, God is giving a gift, and not, unfortunately, I don't have the gift of being single, and I don't know how many people have that gift. But if you have that gift and God has given to you, you can be, God can use you in a mighty way. So even though we're talking about relationships and how to build and how to find the perfect soulmate, know that still God has a place for you in His work. And He, has, he wants to move in a mighty way through you. Now that we looked at being single and married, let's take a look at dating from the Word of God this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 29, verse 18. Genesis chapter 29, verse 18. Genesis chapter 29, verse 18. What did Jacob say to Laban that he wanted to do? 29, verse 18. The Bible says, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. 20, verse 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And he seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. My question, why did Jacob work for Laban? For what purpose? To get married. Why did he date Rachel? For what purpose? To get married. Jacob only dated Rachel, I want you to notice the point, only dated Rachel with the purpose of marrying her, to settle down. You see, if you're going to take marriage from a biblical perspective, you will see that throughout the Bible that the only reason to be in a relationship with another person is for the purpose of getting married, for settling down, that you're ready to get married. See, the world dates, the world, world out there, and even Christian in the world, they, they date for the purpose of only just to have fun or fulfilling the needs without any commitments out there, especially today. But in a relationship, there must be commitments. The non-commitment has gone so bad today that not only are people dating with no intentions of getting married, but they're also dating out there with no commitments to each other that they're even seeing each other or even boyfriend and girlfriend. They're using terms. I remember when I used to be dating... We used to use terms that this is not introduce our, not as our girlfriend, but this is my friend. <laughs> or this is my special friend. And today the young people are telling me the terms they're using is, they're calling them friends with benefits. <laughs> there is no commitment today at all with, our, with a lot of the relationships out there. They're just friends with just benefits, they're calling it. It seems as if everyone today wants to have pleasure without commitment. They want to have sex with someone without any strings attached to it. 
They want to have their emotional needs fulfilled without being tied down. Maybe they've been hurt in the past, but they don't want no commitments. All the while, not realizing that they don't want to be hurt again, but not realizing that the emotional hurt and the emotional pain are much more likely when there happens to be, when there's no boundaries of commitment involved. Example, if you're saying that, if you think that this is not my girlfriend, that she's just my friend, then that means that, well, she's not my girlfriend, so I can flirt with that girl. Well, he's not my boyfriend, so I can check, other, check out other guys out. And when that happens, you open the, the ground, open, you open up everything for everyone to not take things seriously, and a lot more pain happens that way because she's not my girlfriend, she's just my friend with benefits or whatever. I can check this so-and-so out. And so they're checking everyone out, and they have these side relationships, and they end up getting more hurt than being in the boundaries of a committed relationship. Does that make sense, beloved? So they don't want to get hurt. They don't want no, to be tied down, no strings attached. So this is this my friend, and I'm, I'm seeing this here and here, and I have no commitments. And they end up getting, they're actually getting the very thing they don't want, is the very thing that happens to them even more strongly than in what they do more the, the, the other way of being committed to each other. It doesn't make sense. The way of sin is try to separate feelings from commitment. People want romantic and sexual pleasures devoid of responsibility today. They want to see intimacy, but without obligation. They want to enjoy themselves without the concern for the good of the other person. They're not concerned about themselves and pleasing themselves. They don't care about their special friend. They just want to please themselves. The word dating should have the same meaning, meaning as the word courting today. But unfortunately, the world has perverted the word dating today that it has a total different meaning from the word courting. To date means to be with someone regardless if there's a purpose or commitment with that person. Most people date today just to have fun for mere selfish pleasure. On the other hand, courtship is a commitment, is a willingness to honestly explore the possibility that you may be the right one to settle down for the rest of your life is a promise not to play games with another person's heart. The very word courtship still evokes romance and chivalry today. That is why I actually prefer now, not before, but now I prefer the word courtship today instead of dating. But let us not get caught up in a mere use of words today to distract us from what really matters in relationships. I know people who say they're courters, but they court it like the devil. Then I know people who say they're daters, and yet they dated with biblical integrity and principles from the Word of God. The way they lived is what really matters. And that's why, beloved, terms don't define our lives, but our lives and how we live really define the terms we use. Amen? Let me give an example of how the biblical model of courtship works. Say you're a man and you're ready for marriage and you're attracted to someone. The first step would, ask, would be to ask that girl if you could see her, if you could be your girlfriend. If she says yes, you're now in a committed relationship and find out if that other person is also seriously in a relationship 
for a commitment for marriage only. Don't get involved in relationships where they're not interested for marriage. They just say, well, no, no, I don't want to take things too seriously. I don't want to be in a commitment. I want to see how things go. Don't get involved in that because there is a highly likely chance that you will be hurt in that relationship. In other words, you're to be, in a, according to the Word of God, in a romantic relationship only if you're ready for marriage. If you're not ready for marriage, then according to the Bible, wait on romance. You know, whenever there's a breakup in any relationship, whether you're married or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or fiancé, it definitely hurts. And the more that you have given of yourself, your heart, we studied this before, your heart goes, your life goes with your heart. The more you give your heart away, the more of your life is given away in it. That's why when you break up, you're separating a part of your life from that person. And it hurts because your life is leaving you. And every person that you see, a part of your life leaves you and you, you're hurting. It's painful because a part of yourself is dying every time you break up with someone who has taken a part of your life, especially if there's a physical, sexual relationship. So it hurts. That's why God wants us to wait till we're married before we give our hearts, remember we learn, our all to anyone, to our husband or wife, so that if we're playing a dating game and, we're gonna be, and they're not even serious about being married, you'll be dating, you're going to break up, you're going to get hurt. See, the more, if you're involved in relationships where there's no commitment toward a, 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 commitment to a possibility of marriage, we're not saying they enter and you're going to marry the first one you're, you're dating. But you're just looking for a possibility. If you're not there, you're just going to have fun, and they're having fun, and you're just playing a game. Every time you break up, it's going to be very painful again, again, and again. I actually have friends who actually got married the first person they dated. They courted. They've saved themselves for marriage, and they married the first person. I thought about this, and I thought to myself, they actually never had the experience and the pain of experiencing a breakup. It's pretty amazing. Unfortunately, I haven't had that experience. But they had that experience of not experiencing the pain. When you commit yourself to courtship, you may experience, experience the, break, the disappointment of a breakup with someone who you thought was the right person. And in the darkness, when you cry your heart out to God, know that God is behind it all if you trust in Him. He was the one who had the door closed on that person, on that relationship. For he had done it for your own good. And in the midst of your pain, let God know that you don't understand, but you know that he's taking this person away because he has something better for you out there. You see, God wants us to stop trusting in our own carefully laid out plans for our lives so that we may ask him, God, to show us his plans for our lives, including our love lives this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. What assignment did God give to Adam? Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. God created Adam. And what assignment did he give to Adam in the Bible? The Bible says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. God created Adam, 
And then he asked Adam, he gave him the assignment to name all the animals out there. What did Adam realize as he was naming all the animals? Verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a companion for him. As Adam was naming all the animals and he was naming this lion, he realized that lion had Mrs. Lion. As Adam was naming the tiger, he realized that Mr. Tiger had Mrs. Tiger. And he started naming all these animals and he realized that Mr. Chicken had Mrs. Chicken. And so he's seen all these companions and he realized that two, one, two, one. I'm all alone. I'm by myself. He's lonely. He realized that he was lonely. He came to realization that there was no companion for him, and thus he felt very lonely at this time. Now, what was Adam's companion Eve made out of? Look at verse 21 and 22. What was Eve made out of? The Bible says, Then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs of Adam and close up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a what? Woman. The companion that God created for Adam was made from him, from Adam. In other words, Adam was created in order for Eve to exist. So God made Adam especially for the purpose of creating Eve out of him. In other words, Adam was made just for Eve. Let me say that again. Adam was made just for Eve. Look at the blue quote here, right here. The first, the blue paper, the first quote on the blue paper. In the first relationship, God made a couple that was not only a part of each other, but also perfectly matched for each other. Look at the first quote. This is the bold prince. There are thousands that are made it today, but not what? Matched. Do you believe that? The books of heaven are burdened with the woes, the wickedness. We see it. And abuse that lie hidden under the marriage mantle. This is why I would warn the young, the young people today who are not married, who are of marriageable age, to make haste slowly in the choice of a companion. Would you agree with this? Amen? I know, including myself, we make mistakes in the past. We wish it's easy to give counsel, but to actually do it when you're in love, because love is blind at times, right? But if you think about it now, before you get into a relationship, make haste very slowly. Be careful. Don't jump into any relationship. How many people you know, don't raise your hand, but think about it, know someone who's in a bad relationship at this very time? Abuse? Mentally abused? Maybe there's a physical abuse? Maybe there's drug abuse in relationship? Verbal abuse, maybe? Possibly? So that's why we should be very careful to enter in relationship, not to just rush into it so quickly. 
and go be moved by our feelings and passions. Look at chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 again. How did Adam and Eve meet? Let's look at the first romantic love story in the Bible. How did Adam and Eve meet? Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. This is how they met. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. I want you to notice that Adam did not find Eve and Eve did not find Adam, but it was God who brought Eve to Adam. Amen? When God brought Eve to Adam, she was the only woman for him. Amen? Let me say that again. When God brought Eve to Adam, she was the only woman for him because she was the only woman. Amen? Amen. But nevertheless, God, that was the only woman for Adam. She was made from him, a part of him. She was matched for him. She was the perfect woman for Adam. God brought Eve to Adam. Adam didn't find Eve. Eve didn't find Adam. God brought Adam's soulmate to Adam. Isn't that beautiful? Amen? What we need to see that is that nothing has changed today. In order to find our true soulmate, we don't find her. She doesn't find us. He doesn't find you. But it's God who brings them to us. And when the Creator brings you your husband or your wife, you'll be aware that that person was made for you. And it was God who planned your meeting to meet. I want you to also notice that God, think about this, God created Adam first, and then after he created Adam, what happened? What happened? Made it work. Okay, what's right after that? Adam, and because he made Eve after, right? But first he made Adam, and then he created Eve. He didn't create Adam and Eve at the same time. He created Adam first, and then he asked Adam, before he created Eve, he created Adam first, look at the, on the chronological order. He created Adam, and then he had Adam name all the animals first. And then, after he named all the animals, then he created Eve. You see, what God wanted to do was, he wanted Adam to be content with his relationship with him first, before he brought his soulmate and a spouse. Adam was created, but then after he was created, he, wanted, he named the animals. So a time, he can't name the animal, all the animals on his earth in 10 seconds. There's a time that elapsed that had to happen. So there's a time period where God created Adam. Then there's a time where God wanted Adam to be content with his relationship with him first. And then when he was content with his relationship with God, then God said, you're ready now. I'll give you your, your soulmate to you. And he brought his soulmate. So it is with us today. God wants us to be completely satisfied with a relationship with him first. And then he will bring to you your soulmate. What does the Bible say about love? Turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. Song of Solomon, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, 
Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. What does the Bible say about love? Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. The Bible says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up, nor awake my love until he please. Now the word my in that text is italicized. Now what does that mean when it's italicized in the Bible? What does that mean? Is what? It's added in there. Regardless if you think it's not or it is, but it's added there, it's not in the original Hebrew. So it's just saying, I charge your daughters of Jerusalem that you stir not up, nor awake love until you please. Whether it's my love or love, you stir not love until it's the right time. And timing is important. We, not, we are not to remove that passion from the boundaries of God's timing and purpose. As a single person, those of you who are single, whether you've never been married or you've been married and you are single, as a single person, you will get tempted with your feelings. You will get tempted with your feelings. And even though you know what is right, you may still want the feelings that feel good. You may still want the thrill of expressing how you feel. You may still want the security of knowing that you belong to someone else. And your feelings for each other may be real and deeply romantic. But my question is, are those feelings being awakened in God's timing and purpose? Are you ready for marriage? Are you ready to settle down? Are you ready for a family? Are you ready to, for, to be serious? Are there certain things that you still need to accomplish in life before you get married and settle down? In other words, there's a time in every person's life when true love will awaken if it will be awakened at all. But it is in God's timing and when that would happen. And we need to wait for that time to happen. We're not to stir up no awakened love by getting involved in a relationship that we shouldn't be involved in. Love will be awakened and it will be in God's time, not ours, and it will be by God and not by us. Romance is a very good thing. But just because it is a good thing doesn't mean that we can enjoy it whenever and however we please. Like all the good gifts God has made, romantic love can be misused. This morning, just as God brought Eve to Adam, He also brings the love of Jesus through His Spirit to you and me this morning. He chases you, And He woos you in order to win you into complete submission to Him this morning. And it's when you experience His love that we would then consent to give our lives into His hands. And when we consent to give our lives into His hands, we will love to obey Him this morning. Amen? This morning I want to challenge you with some covenant challenges in your blue paper here concerning romantic love. First covenant challenge. These are based upon God's Promises to us, not, I always do these appeals through covenant challenges um, through these series. Based upon God's promises, because our promises, I'm sorry, as ropes of sand, the Bible says, you cannot keep your promises. Sorry. Sorry if I offend you, but the Word of God says that you cannot, I cannot. Only God can keep His promises through you and me. Amen? Covenant number one, to surrender your life to Jesus Christ every day of your life. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. amen. Two, covenant to be content with your current condition, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced or widowed. Ask God for that peace and contentment to be content wherever you may be at. Amen? amen. Three, 
covenant. If you are single, that you will from here on out only be in a relationship in which both sides are seriously weighing the possibility of marriage. Amen? Four, covenant to trust in God that he'll bring to you your spouse at the right time and that you won't run ahead of him and make a mess of your love life. You know, you can be in a relationship, you can be married, and though it was painful in your divorce, and maybe you got remarried or so, though it was painful, it was doubly painful for your children, whether you realize it or not. So it's not just, well, I can handle the pain, I can handle the hurt, I can handle this and that. It's not just about you, but it's about everyone else around you that may be affected. Would you agree? Five. Covenant that you become completely satisfied with your relationship with God first before you try to satisfy your needs with someone else. Be satisfied with God. When God feels that you're ready, then He'll bring the right person to you. Now, I challenge you, and I, that's why I handed this piece of paper out for you. This is actually for you to give to someone, to be an evangelistic, to give to someone, invite them to these meetings that probably need it or it will be helpful to someone. And also these meetings are also to help you. If you've been married and you're happy, that's fine. But maybe you can help your child to understand these good principles. But maybe you can help your um, young people that you may know that could benefit from these. Also we have CDs of this, these sermons or these series outside in the lobby on the table for you to take out and witness. Give to your family. Give to your friends. Give to your co-workers that you feel may need these series to listen to as a witness to them. Mail it off to someone. Be a witness and share the light. I wanted to look in this blue paper, um, this poem here. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it and you can think about it, you can follow along or just meditate upon it. Believe and be satisfied. This poem, when I read this, it was 15 years ago. When I read this, this changed my whole belief about relationships. It totally transformed. I wish that I had actually read it sooner because I, had, I made so much big, bad mistakes in relationships in the past. And I just wish I had this sooner in my hands. And I, I praise God that young people, you had this in your hands. I'm, don't throw this away, young people. Read it. Keep it. Look at it. Meditate it. Read it over and over. And follow this way. And, and I can tell you, you will save a lot of heartache in your future. A lot of heartache. It's called it Believe and Be Satisfied. Everyone longs to give themselves completely to someone, to have a deep relationship with another, to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. But God says, No. Not until you are satisfied and fulfilled and content with being loved by me alone. I love you, my child. And until you discover that only in me is your satisfaction to be found, you will not be capable of the perfect human relationship that I have planned for you. You will never be united with another until you, you are united with me, exclusive of any other desires and longings. I want you to stop planning, stop wishing, and allow me to give you the most thrilling relationship that exists, one that you can't even imagine. 
I want you to have the best. Please allow me to bring it to you. Keep watching me, expecting the greatest things. Keep experiencing the satisfaction that I am. Keep listening and learning and listening to the things I tell you. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't look around at the things that others have gotten or that I have given them. Don't look at the things that you think that you want. Just keep looking at me or you'll miss what I want to show you. And then, when you are ready, I'll surprise you with a love far more wonderful than you would ever dream. You see, until you are ready, and until the one that I have for you is ready, who I am working with this very minute as I am working with you, so to have both of you ready at the same time, until you're both satisfied exclusively with me and the life I have prepared for you, you won't be able to experience the love that is based on your relationship with me. And this is perfect love. And dear one, I want you to have the most wonderful love. I want you to experience a relationship with me and to enjoy the everlasting beauty and perfection and love that I offer. Know that I love you utterly. I am your heavenly Father. Believe and be satisfied. Amen? Amen. Do you have a love for our heavenly Father who cares so much for you this morning? Do you trust Him with your whole life, whether you're single or whether you're married? Are you completely satisfied with His love for you that you don't have to look to other people to be fulfilled outside of your relationship? Do you have a strong enough relationship with God that you can trust Him that He is the one that will bring to you your soulmate? Do you trust that He will lead you? Can you say within your heart this morning that He leadeth me? He leadeth me.